Welcome to a new edition of What is Global Health podcast. Today, we will be speaking with Dr. Lauren Stanberry. Dr. Stanberry is the Ruben S. Carpentier Professor and Chairman of the Department of Pediatrics at the Vigelos College of Physicians and Surgeons at Columbia University and Pediatrician-in-Chief of New York Presbyterian Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital. His areas of clinical expertise include pediatric infectious disease, viral infection, immunization, and sexually transmitted disease. Our interview is focused on the establishment of a global health initiative in the Department of Pediatrics at Columbia University's Medical School. Along with providing an enhanced educational experience, this program gives pediatric residents an opportunity to undertake a global experience that can be very valuable and influential to their future careers. Could you describe the importance of merging the two vast fields of pediatrics and global health? Sure. Well, it's sort of a logical thing to do. When you look at the world's population, 2.2 billion people on the planet are children. So we in pediatrics just view the entire world as our area of responsibility, caring for children wherever they happen to be. Online, it is stated that the department wants to assist regions and countries to become self-sufficient in educating healthcare providers and delivering care to their populations. How are you working as a department to accomplish this? Okay, it's a great question. I think the perhaps best example is the work we've been doing in Uganda for the last 10 years. Um, we've had a long collaboration with the Department of Pediatrics at McCary University in Kampala. When we first started working with them, we met and had what's referred to as a needs assessment, asking them what it was that we could help them with. And interestingly enough, the initial focus was on adolescent health, not on HIV or cancer, but adolescent health. You may think, gee, that doesn't make much sense. But the reality of it is throughout all of Africa and certainly sub-Saharan Africa as well, adolescents, once a child reaches the age of 12 or 13, are no longer seen in the pediatric wards. They're moved over to the adult wards. And we recognize that a 17, 16, 15, 14-year-old is not an adult. They're a special age group that falls under the purview of pediatrics. And so uh, our colleagues at uh, McCary University wanted help establishing an adolescent medicine program. The way we went about it was we had a colleague at uh, McCary that was really interested in adolescent health, had medicine, had some training, who was partnered with one of our adolescent medicine specialists, uh, Dr. Betsy Pfeffer. It's uh, Dr. Sabrina Kataki, who is the Ugandan who is matched to Dr. Pfeffer. Um, those two started working along with Dr. Susan Rosenthal, who leads our uh, Division of uh, Child and Adolescent Health, and Dr. Phil LaRussa, who's an infectious disease specialist with a lot of experience in Africa, came together and first began developing a curriculum where we could begin to educate people in Kampala at the medical school around what is adolescent medicine. Uh, we started an annual conference where we would go over and meet with them and talk about what they were doing in the area of adolescent medicine brought in uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations from the region who were working with adolescents, not always in health areas, but to get a sense of what else was going along, 
uh, in the country with regard to adolescence. Um, and so over years, as we continued to bring more people into it, um, that uh, they were gaining some real understanding of what adolescent medicine meant. Ultimately, uh, we helped them establish the first adolescent medicine clinic in all of sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, Dr. Speffer and Kataki, actually with our support, established the uh, only adolescent national adolescent medicine society in all of Africa, so the Ugandan Society for Adolescent Health. We now find that the meeting is a very robust conference each year, uh, well over 100 participants. Uh, it's become more of a regional meeting, so we often see other physicians and healthcare workers who are interested in adolescent health coming in from Ethiopia, Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania. So it's, it's been really rewarding in that regard to help them develop something they felt was really important. Along the way, as that became a more mature program, we revisited what else do you need help on, and the most recent effort has been around sickle cell disease. So sickle cell disease is extremely prevalent in Uganda, and only recently has the government started um, a national screening program so that at birth, children, uh, blood samples are collected so one can determine genetically whether a child is a carrier or uh, is likely to develop sickle cell disease. Um, we know from our work in the United States that one of the major problems with sickle cell disease is that um, early uh, children and young adults can begin having small strokes, sometimes mm -hmm. that are not recognized. So uh, the life expectancy of people with sickle cell disease is still uh, very short. There are still children in parts of Africa that die in childhood, whereas in the United States, life expectancy is probably only into the fourth or fifth decade of life. And strokes are one of the major causes of mortality in patients with sickle cell disease. So Dr. Nancy Green, one of our hematologists, partnered with colleagues in Uganda to develop a project uh, around how could we screen for strokes uh, and were there interventions that could be used. It was uh, a very successful project that uh, showed that indeed children were having strokes at a very early age. Um, it's a project that's been now funded by the National Institutes of Health, mm -hmm. and uh, they continue to expand that effort, uh, looking now to be able to use uh, a drug that's recently been shown to be effective at reducing the likelihood of sickling and hence the likelihood of a stroke. So we're really encouraged by, by that effort, um, and we continue to evolve based upon what they mm -hmm. feel their needs are. What motivated the development of the Global Health Program in the Department of Pediatrics? So um, students, including our young residents, so interns and residents, our department is responsible not only for the uh, training of medical students around pediatrics, but then once you graduate medical school, the training of residents mm -hmm. uh, who are going to become pediatricians. What we find is that from year to year, the interest around global health varies substantially. Some years we find a very high proportion of, of students and residents are really interested in getting more engaged. Other years, it's, it's not so uh, popular. As a consequence, we built the entire programs around the passions of the faculty, always with the ability to allow students and residents to have access to the programs. So um, in our case, with uh, staying with Uganda for a moment, 
we ensure that we've got a safe setting for them to be able to stay and uh, when they're over there visiting or involved in research projects. For obviously for students uh, in the early years of before they develop any clinical skills, any work that's done globally is usually around a research project rather than uh, learning um, clinical skills based upon uh, what, uh, what opportunities there are in a foreign country. But in Uganda, um, it's, we have a faculty member, Dr. Kadaki, um, who um, makes sure that the students are supervised and that they get a good experience. Or uh, if there's a research project that's ongoing, they'll partner with the people who are engaged in the research on the ground in Uganda uh, to participate in one way or another. Are there any general trends in regards to the students that are being observed since the installment of this new program? So um, I think all of the students would say that they found the experience very enriching. Um, we want to make sure they're well prepared before they go abroad. So Dr. Nicholas, who could not mm -hmm. be here today, uh, for our medical students actually has a very rigorous uh, course that they take. It's an evening okay. course. Uh, so that they can learn about what it's like to be in a foreign country, uh, especially a developing country, uh, what are the issues around ethics, uh, customs, so that they're very prepared for it. Uh, and I think that's really critical. Uh, one wants to avoid people who have an interest in what's sometimes referred to as medical tourism, or where they simply want to go in and look around and understand what's going on. We're looking generally for people who have a real commitment to serve the people who are hosting them. Um, but the students and the residents who come back all tell me that they found it an experience that was very moving, that they felt even if they were not going to go to do global health, they had a much greater appreciation for uh, populations who are under-resourced and uh, I think they often will approach problems in a perhaps slightly more practical way than they would have had they not had that experience or in a place like United States where we are so resource rich often you don't try to keep things economical and focused you're more inclined to just be uh, perhaps excessive with regard to test ordering and uh, drug administration so overall they feel it's a very positive experience. What are some of the greatest challenges that pediatric residents have to face when working in developing countries? Um, I think it's a very good question. I, I think probably one of the biggest ones, believe it or not, is going to be the frequency with which patients die in those settings. So it's not around what's it like to find housing or what's the food like or transportation or personal safety. Those are all things that one needs to consider. Um, but we see so little death in children's hospitals in the United States because of our infrastructure resources and the talent of the people who work in it, the nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, and so on. Um, death is a very uncommon phenomenon here, whereas in many developing countries, it's very common. Wow. And so they often find they're really not prepared for that. Um, and so I think making certain that they're aware that there are life-to-death decisions that are made sometimes that are purely economic. Some countries will have a formulary, uh, and if the drugs um, that are required for the child are not part of the national formulary, the family has to find the money, go to the pharmacy, buy the drug, and bring it back. And that's 
not the kind of experience that most of our residents have had. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, understanding the systems that are available in different countries, they're quite different often than what we have. And I think that's an area that they find, uh, at least initially, pretty challenging. As an elective for residents, how has the Global Health Program influenced their learning, careers, and global understanding? I think if I, if I understand the question, um, it brings to them a perspective that mm-hmm. they really did not have before. Um, I also think it may, well, probably more than, that's probably the main difference is that as a consequence of having that, their way of looking at patients in general changes somewhat a greater appreciation for the issue of resources, recognizing that even in our own community, uh, resources could be limited for some families, certainly not around the drugs in all likelihood, but other kinds of limitations and, uh, I suspect more than anything else, that's probably the lesson. Do you find that typically, after residents return, they may want to have more abroad experience? It, it's, it's, an, it's a great question, um, and it varies all over the oh, place. Okay. They, they may wish to, during residency at least, and medical school as well. You're a bit limited in how much time you have available mm-hmm. to work on these. We find there are some residents who will go on and make a career out of global health and will work internationally, perhaps with Doctors Without Borders or with uh, NGOs. Um, Others who, if they develop an academic career, will try to find a way to have a component of their career involving working abroad. Um, And then sometimes we find that there are specialists who um, are just really passionate about a country or a particular problem and they have the expertise to go on medical missions and spend time in foreign countries providing care. Uh, So it it varies all over the place. But I think it's an important introduction so they can have that as a consideration as they're making career decisions. I mean, as you know, in college and medical school and even in residency, uh, you're all a very growing organism. You, You are gaining information about things you didn't know before, and that informs the decisions you ultimately make. So I think having a global health experience is important uh, for those people who are drawn to that, um, because it gives you one more piece of information that can influence exactly the ultimate career decisions and directions you make. Have you received any remarks or perspectives from the other side of the relationship, like the hospitals or the people? that the residents were serving during their time abroad? So um, certainly with our relationship with the Cary University and Malago Hospital mm-hmm. in Kampala, um, the, the feedback that we've gotten is that our students work well with the students who are medical students oh, okay. there in Kampala. Um, they engage and, and really integrate into the rounds and uh, in conversations. Um, so I think they are also looking to form partnerships in that setting, and it looks like it's a very reciprocal relationship, mm-hmm. so it's been a positive feedback also coming from our colleagues in Uganda. Could you share one of the most influential experiences you had working in another country? My area is infectious diseases, mm-hmm. uh, and I work, among other things, on emerging infectious diseases, so things like oh, okay. Zika, uh, for example. Um, so we've had the opportunity to, I've had the opportunity to, to be in a lot of different parts of the world. Um, it's, 
it's uh, for me recognizing that um, infectious diseases uh, know no borders mm -hmm. um, and can come from any place. Um, certainly, for me at least, as a person who's interested in vaccine development, um, making sure that anything we do that's going to improve or protect the health of children uh, in the U.S. is going to be available to children around the world right. is an important commitment. Um, but resources across the world are very uneven. Mm -hmm. And uh, the best approach, from my perspective, we can do to improve human health, particularly children's health, is, is going to be through preventative measures and making sure they're available.